Well, let's have a look and see what our four questions are. Firstly, this one. How can we increase our inner strength? Well, last week in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, we read, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And someone says, how can we get more of this inner strength? Because I think that's a good thing to want, isn't it? Well, in a lot of ways, the answers are right there, aren't they? Firstly, how does Paul pray that it happens? Well, he says he prays, so he, he asks God for it. So you, wanna, you need more inner strength? Pray. And then secondly, see what else he does here. He says he'll empower you with inner strength through his spirit. It's the Spirit of God who will give us that inner strength. Now, how does he do that? Well, a really important rule of thumb when you're coming to the Bible is that where you have the Spirit working, you have the Word of God. So when the Spirit came down upon the prophets in the Old Testament, what did they automatically start doing? Speaking. They spoke God's word. Spirit, speech. Spirit, speech. How did we get the Bible? The Spirit. How does the Spirit work amongst us? By his word. So if we want to get extra strength on the inside, then what do we do? We need the work of the Spirit. And how do we get the work of the Spirit in us? Through God's word. And so we do what we're doing right now. We we ask questions, we hear God's word, and uh, we also listen to him as we'll do so in a moment when we get to the sermon. Question two, did Judas ever come back to Christ after he betrayed him? Well, according to the Bible, no. Uh, Judas did not repent and he did not return to Christ. We, we know that he was filled with remorse. Uh, in Matthew 27, 3, he, he makes it clear that he realised he'd done a really dumb thing, a really bad thing. But he doesn't come back to Jesus and say, I'm really sorry, Lord, would you please forgive me? He's just really he's pity, having pity on himself. And in the end, in Acts chapter 1, verse 25, we read that he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Question three, two to come. How and when did the church decide which New Testament books would be in the Bible? I wonder if you've ever asked that question, because we've got this letter to the Ephesians. So Paul sits down and he writes this letter and he sticks a stamp on it or whatever you did 2,000 years ago, and it turns up at the church and they start reading it. And then some way, shape or form, you get it in the Bible, the the biggest selling book of all time. And you're thinking, how's it gone from being this little letter from this bloke in a jail to this church becoming part of the Bible? Well, the first thing we need to see is that the, the church did not write the Bible. God wrote the Bible. All the church can do is recognize the Bible. All we can do is recognize God's word. And that's kind of the way it all worked, that that Paul must have written a whole lot of other stuff. It's not like the stuff in the Bible is the only stuff he ever put pen to paper. In fact, we read of other letters that were written by Paul to the church in Corinth. There's kind of a second or there's kind of a third and a fourth letter to the Corinthians too that are lost. So why did some get in and not others? It's because as people read them, The Spirit of God helped them to recognize that indeed they had, that that God was working, that God was speaking. They recognized it in the Spirit of God. So that is how the, the church decided what would be in the Bible because it recognized it as truly God's Word. 
But um, it didn't happen overnight. Uh, in about the, uh, the second century, there was a, a guy called Ignatius, um, and so uh, Irenaeus, sorry, Irenaeus, I get the two confused. Uh, Irenaeus basically, he, he talked about all the books of the New Testament. He didn't have 27, he had about 20 or so, and there were a couple more that was not quite in there yet that hadn't been locked in. About a century or so later, you get a list of all 27. And if, if you're really curious, you can say, which are the ones that almost didn't make the cut? You can ask me that as another question if you like, or do a bit of research. But we now have the whole of the New Testament, God's word, and we can trust that God sovereignly, by his hand, through his spirit, has given us the Bible. And so when you sit down with the Old Testament, you sit down with the New Testament, you know it's God's word. And then finally, this question, a question that's been asked a lot these days. Why did Christ create the pandemic? Or a question similar to that. Well, when I get asked questions like this, I I often think it's important for us when we come to the answer to keep going back to the start of the Bible. There's so much there hanging on those first three chapters that we need to know that God made the universe and it was so good. Good, good, very, very good. And then what happened soon after that was God created humans and said, I want you to willingly come and serve me. I'm your king and, and it's the best way to live. And to show that you really believe that, don't eat from that particular tree. Well, the rest is history. Humans said, don't believe you, God. Don't trust you, God. I reckon, look, thanks for making the world. If, you know, I might just run the world my way now. Off you go. And because of that moment, everything broke. We have a broken relationship with God, a broken relationship with humans, and a broken relationship with creation. And part of all of that is now what we've got before us when we have cancer, when we have pandemics, when we have car crashes, all these other stuff. Cancer, COVID, car crashes, it's all there. And so how is it, why is it that we've got it all there? Well, that's the reason we have this, this, these terrible things that are happening. But we also need to realise that God is totally in control. Nothing happens without his will. It's not like he sits back and says, oops, I really wish I hadn't, you know, that we didn't have the pandemic. And he's in control of everything. We don't fully understand all things. But, you know, even in this pandemic, we can see that God is doing some amazing things in this world. We can see that, I mean, if you try and work it out, you see that the people are, are stopping and they're, they're thinking about what really, really matters. Uh, uh, some people are being so shaken up, they're thinking, I really need to speak to God because life is short and I'm just on this routine and I, this is a thing that's sort of stopped everything to, to make me think about those things. Uh, suffering sometimes wakes us up and brings us to our knees. But ultimately, I, I think it's... We can't really sit down and work out, oh, I've worked out exactly how it all works. It's because of that sin or it's because of that thing. The, the book of Job in the Old Testament reminds us that, that at the end of the day, we've just got to say, Lord, we trust you. We know you are king. And the second we try and work it all out, oh, this is the reason why oh, that bad thing happened or whatever, we get ourselves in a real mess. So in all of this, we trust that God is sovereign. We trust that everything happens for the good of those who love him. And we already rejoice that through the hardship of 2020, through the the crisis of 2020, we are seeing some things happen that wouldn't have otherwise. And we give thanks to God for that as well. Thanks for listening to Jamaloo and the Lane Trip.